So the common theme in the two rings today, uh, the Valley of the Dry Bones and the Rising of Lazarus, is resurrection. And when I saw the Dry Bones passage uh, was the Old Testament reading, my mind turned immediately to uh, them dry bones. I thought perhaps we could ask Chloe to play it and uh, we could sing along. Uh, the lyrics of that song, of course, are, are inspired by uh, the Old Testament reading, the vision of Ezekiel in the Valley of Dry Bones. Uh, perhaps not. Uh, but I've no doubt that uh, having put that thought in your mind, uh, for the rest of the day you'll forget my sermon, but you will be humming them dry bones uh, until midnight. Incidentally, it was uh, written by the American writer and civil rights activist James Weldon Johnson and his brother J. Rosamond Johnson, uh, and uh, it was first recorded by the famous Myers Jubilee Singers in 1928, so quite a history to itself. Now, I'm sure you're very familiar with those two passages, uh, but I just want to explore them a little bit uh, and uh, pull, pull them apart and look at their meaning. So the two events are separated by about five, 500 years. The Old Testament reading uh, records the vision of the prophet Ezekiel, and it took place, place between 586 and 538 BC. We know that from archaeological evidence and other, other written evidence, because Israel was in Babylonian captivity. And uh, that was a period in Jewish history when large numbers of Judeans were, uh, were um, uh, captives in Babylon uh, after their defeat in the Jewish-Babylonian War. And so the kingdom had been crushed, Judea had been crushed, and King Solomon's temple, which uh, housed the Ark of the Covenant, had been destroyed. And, uh, so, and so these events are, are well known. Now the vision can be explained as a metaphor, prophesizing that Israel would return from captivity. And the bones can be seen as a, uh, as a, as a statement of, of the nation of Israel, which are, and all, all hope have been lost in captivity. Our bones are dried up, our hope is lost, and we are indeed cut off. But God promised to raise them from the grave. Now does that mean the nation of Israel would rise again? Or does it mean that individual soldiers would be restored to life? In the case of the vision, I believe it's an, alg an allegory to what's uh, that the nation will rise again. But God directs Ezekiel to prophesy, this is what the sovereign Lord says, come breathe from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. Now I'm not a scholar of Hebrew, but I'm told that the word that's used for breath is the same word in Genesis that where God breathes life into Adam. So it may be an allegory, but is it looking forward to the future to other events in the New Testament. So if we now turn to Lazarus, now this event takes place a few weeks, possibly a few days before the crucifixion. So we could simply take that miracle at face value, Jesus demonstrating his power as Christ's son of God, uh, bringing his friend Lazarus back to life four days after he died. But why did he wait four days? What message was he using the miracle to reinforce? And who would have witnessed that miracle? or at least known about it, and what would their reaction be? And what's the relevance to us today? Now, Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were great friends of Jesus, we're told that. This was the same Mary who poured perfume on Jesus' feet, would have been chastised by Martha for listening to Jesus while Martha had been working in the kitchen. Now, when Lazarus fell ill, the sisters sent word for Jesus to return, confident that he would come back and work a healing miracle to bring Lazarus back to health. But Jesus purposely delays returning to Bethany for two days. And by the time he arrives, Lazarus was dead and buried. He's been in the tomb for four days. His hands and feet are wrapped in linen, a cloth over his face, with a stone rolled across the entrance to the tomb. 
Where shall we see that again? Now the miracle, as I said, comes very close to Christ's arrest and crucifixion. And hence close to the end of his ministry on earth. That miracle also comes at the end of a long sequence of miracles performed by Jesus in the course of three years. It starts with the wedding feast of Cana, transforming water into wine. And then we follow, we see uh, miracles demonstrating Christ's power over nature, calming the storm. We see him healing, take up thy bed and walk. We see exorcism, and the demons came out as his, at his command. Uh, and now we see the restoration of life. Now each miracle is slightly greater than the last, increasingly showing what power Christ had. But with each miracle, uh, he gets opposition for the religious leaders uh, of, of the kingdom. And they believed he was blasphemy, claiming to be the Messiah. So we have two events. We have increased belief, increased uh, fear. Now one thing that strikes me about many of Christ's miracles is the contrast. Sickness and health, illness and healing, life and death. And what's the links between them and the distinction between them? Now Jesus has demonstrated his power to heal. Indeed Mary and Martha had absolute faith that if Jesus could return to Bethany in time, he could heal Lazarus. Now, throughout the ages, doctors have healed many people, uh, but always within the bounds of medical knowledge and capability. Now, with advances we can take in post over the last two millennia, we can see many examples of, of inter intervention and healing. But where and so where life prevails, there is the potential for recovery. But once life is lost, man can't bring it back. Now, the dictionary definition of, of death is the irreversible cessation of biological function that sustain an organism. And for an organism with a brain, death is an irreversible cessation of functioning of the whole brain, including the brainstem. Pretty medical definition. Now, despite all our advances, man can't give life to an organism or restore life to an organism that's died. And what after death? Well, a few weeks ago, on Ash Wednesday, uh, we stood here and we heard the words, Remember, man, that thou art dust, and unto dust you shall return. Now, we've probably all watched Time Team and seen them uncover a, a Bronze Age burial. In fact, if you go to Sutton Hoo, there's a, uh, the Great Ship Burial, 1,300 years ago. And the acidic soil has consumed all the biological matter. The, the wood of the ship's gone, and the king himself has gone, leaving only a stain in the ground. So irrefutable evidence that back to dust we shall return. But when we say the creed, which we're about to say, we declare, I believe in the resurrection of the body. So how do these two things come together? Now, by delaying four days, Christ is emphasising that Lazarus was well and truly dead. As Martha states, but Lord, uh, by this time there is a bad odour, uh, for he has been there four days. The process of decay had clearly started. Now, this is not a healing miracle, restoring a living organism to health, but something completely different, putting back that spark of life that had been extinguished. Now, a few of us recently undertook a lay worship assistance course, and one of the questions we were asked to consider was how would you describe Christ without using the language of Christianity? An almost impossible challenge. But this miracle is one clear manifestation of Christ as God, the ability to give back to a person who was dead after cessation of biological function. Now, the next question I would ask about the raising of Lazarus is who witnessed it? Well, there's clearly Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sisters. There's the apostles who accompanied Christ back to Bethany. A particular mention be made of, uh, of Thomas. Uh, and there's also going to be family and friends who've come to, to mourn. 
Now we're going to hear about Thomas in a few weeks' time, when he will only believe that Christ has risen from the dead if he sees the uh, Christ ha- the marks in the scars in Christ's hands and side as proof of his physical resurrection. And also, although not present at the miracle, news would quickly have reached the religious re- leaders. Indeed, the, the sentence immediately after that reading is that, uh, but some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. An important, an important statement. So why then? So we're not given an absolute timetable of events, but it's generally agreed that this event took a few weeks after Jesus had preached the parable of the rich man and the poor man, and a few weeks, possibly a few days, before his crucifixion. Now that timing is key. In the parable of the rich man and the poor man, Christ gave the poor man a name, Lazarus. Now I don't think Christ specifically meant that the protagonist in the story was his friend, but he was using the parable to prophesize the events that were to happen in a few weeks' time. Now considering Martha and Mary, the events of the past four days have been a great test of their faith. Uh, The sisters are despaired that Jesus had not returned to Bethany immediately upon hearing of Lazarus' illness, and their hopes of healing were dashed. But the love between Jesus, Martha and Mary was not dashed. And Martha expressed her faith in Jesus, saying, I know that even now, God, you will, and even, I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Now Martha continues to express her faith that her brother will rise again in the resurrection on the last day, but appears to have no expectation that he will rise again that day. And it's emphasising what St Paul will later write. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope and love. But the greatest of these is love. So Jesus' response is the principal focus of this passage. And in fact, it's possibly one of the principal focuses of the whole Bible. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Now Martha says, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is come into the world. And we repeat that every time we recite the creed. Now, within a few weeks, Christ was going to be be crucified. But within three days, he will rise from the dead. Now, by raising Lazarus from the dead, was he showing his closest friends and his followers what was to unfold, to fortify their faith in what was to occur? Now, this is hinted at in Christ's words before setting out for Bethany. Christ says to the apostles, Lazarus is dead, and for your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Now it's noteworthy that specific mention is made of Thomas. Thomas who will doubt that Christ has risen unless he can see physical proof. Now Christ is reinforcing the message which is a very difficult message to believe. But it's also a taunt to the Pharisees. Jesus knew that the news of Lazarus' rising from the dead would quickly reach their ears. Jesus had chosen his timing so that there were many people witness to the miracle. Jesus was aware of the reception he would have when he returned to Bethany. The apostles apostles warned him that a short while ago, the Jews were trying to stone you, and yet you were going back. Now, this is a major step on the road to the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ, and one that Christ makes with full understanding of where it will lead. Without standing into danger, he wouldn't have been crucified. And if he hadn't been crucified, the ultimate miracle, Christ's resurrection, could not have occurred. So what conclusions do we draw? Well, the miracle occurs at the culmination of a whole series of miracles of increasing wonder. The miracle provides evidence of Christ's power over death. 
It tests the faith of Mary and Martha, emphasising that faith, hope and love will last forever. It adds substance to the power of the rich man and the poor man. It predicts Christ's resurrection. And it reinforces the, the, a message to the disciples uh, to be ready uh, for his death and resurrection. Perhaps that message to us as well. And it taunts the religious leaders, demonstrating that he is the Messiah for which they claim, for which claim uh, they will have him crucified. But as with Lazarus, Christ will rise again from the dead. To be continued.